You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast is back with 30 more songs than 120 songs total. I'm your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 Saws That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me on this Monday night as we now have the NBA final set is Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer.com, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Characters, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin Birdo! It took a lot longer than we ever could have expected, but here we are, Pete Nuggets. We got to a Game 7 of the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. A lot of drama considering uh, the Celtics were looking to do what 150 other teams that were down 3-0 had not been able to do, which is win a game seven. And they were unable to do it and quite the anticlimactic game because the first play of the game, Jason Tatum rolls his ankle. The first quarter of the game, the Boston Celtics put up their Lowest scoring first quarter of the entire season. And though, you know, there were a couple runs here and there, a couple times where the crowd got into it, you know, the Heat really controlled this game from beginning to end and end up with the final score walloping them. And it can't be, can't be happy times in Boston when you've got Bam Adebayo holding up the Bob Cousy trophy and Jimmy Butler holding up the Larry Bird trophy in Boston where they were able to win three games 
in this series and win the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I, I guess I'm not surprised the Heat won. I am surprised in the manner in which they won. What say you? I'm surprised they handled it in the way they did too, Chris. Um, I mean, you don't expect this to happen on your home floor, but ultimately this is a Celtics team that has struggled at home uh, throughout the season and in the playoffs. Uh, they are a team that historically, you know, I like they've, when their backs are against the wall, they're, they've had success down 3-2. They had success down 3-0. But a lot of the times when they've been in those situations, once they're up, then they kind of slip back. And that's happened over the years with them. Um, in Game 7 against the Cavs in 2018, their offense kind of clenched up, couldn't get anything going. I believe they had 79 or 78 points in that game, only 84 tonight. This is something that's been happening regardless of you know the supporting cast, regardless of the coach. Um, to me, this is something that has been a symptom of the Tatum Brown led teams for you know five plus years now. That in some of these tough games, they just kind of fold on offense. But ultimately, though, I think more than anything else, credit needs to go to Miami. They came into this game seven with a really like it can't happen after the game. Spo said, "We're going to go up there." And we're going to figure it out. We're going to do it somehow. And to have this type of resilience after f- losing three games in a row and potentially being the first team in NBA history to blow a 3-0 lead in the East Finals, mind you, not just the first round, not just the second round, but in the East Finals on the doorstep of the NBA Finals, the mental toughness, and then to execute the game plan the way in which they did, Spo throwing out a little sprinkle of zone and press their defense, the perfect rotations on so many switches and rotations in that first half, aside from the Celtics slipping on some screens early. They just came out with an unbelievable game plan. And every time the Celtics made a little run, crowds going crazy, noise being pumped through the speakers, Miami just hit poised shots every single time. Time. It was a remarkable performance by the Heat, and in some ways, it couldn't have happened any other way at all for them to be in this point as an eight seed, uh, almost blowing a 3 0 lead, and now here they are. So they're up 17 in the first half, and then by the time they get to halftime, they're up by 11. And in the third quarter, I actually wrote down that at one point, their lead has gotten dwindled. They're up 16. Celtics go on an 8 0 run. You'll remember this. And there's a there's a little bump and a finish and a three-point play by Derek White. And this is exactly to your point. So it gets cut to eight. He go down to the other end. Caleb Martin bangs down a shot right back to 10. Celtics come down. Jalen Brown takes a crap three, bricks it. You know, now it's now it's back to, you know, like it was like all the momentum was gone. It was like, here they come. Here's the run. Here's the 15 to 2 run. Here's a 17 to 2 run. Here's where the crowd is going about to jump on top of Miami. And it never came because of those timely baskets and my god, Caleb Martin, the aforementioned. Whew. He was unbelievable. Awesome. Awesome. Unbelievable. The whole night, I mean, starts off the game in the first half. He's 14.7 rebounds. Two of three from three. And it's not just, you know, the counting numbers. It's the timeliness of his production. He he ends the game with 26 points, 10 rebounds, 
three assists. He doesn't turn the ball over. He gets you a steal. And he plays 44 minutes the most on the entire team. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He was absolutely magnificent the whole series. I know Jimmy Butler won, you know, the the player of the series or whatever. Um, but Kayla Martin probably should have won that award, if we're being honest. He was their most consistent option. Played heavy minutes. He was very good on defense. He 15 rebounds in game six, 10 rebounds tonight. Crashed on the board. Super active. The clutch shot making. You know, he made smart plays on the floor. He didn't force the issue either. You know, he had one heat check three that he pulled up and missed. But, I mean, I thought he played as good of a basketball game as you can ask for, never mind from a guy who's a non-star player, an undrafted player. Like, you had that context on top of it. I know. I think it was Reggie Miller might have said during the broadcast, if you're just tuning in and seeing Caleb Martin and wondering who this guy is, he's been doing this the whole playoffs, the whole series. And, it's true, man. That, that He represents this Miami roster, though. We talked about it last week, I believe, after they were up 3-0, right? <laughs> about yep. all the undrafted guys on this roster and what they represent with the toughness and the resilience they had a battle through to get to this point from the Gabe Vincents and Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, Jimmy Butler being the head of that above everybody else in that roster. But Caleb Martin, man, I, I'll tell you what, when he's... When you got him at, at 26 points on 11 to 16, then you look at the other side and Jalen Brown, uh, the guy who's potentially going to get paid five years, $295 million with only 19 points on 23 shots with eight turnovers. Just a d- disastrous game by Jalen Brown on the flip side of that from the non-star player next to Jason Tatum. Well, hold on now. I know you're saying non-star. He did make an all-NBA team, yeah. which is why he has the ability to make well, that kind of I, I money. Should, okay? I should say, I should say, let me let me let me rephrase that. The non-terrible player. The non-best yeah. player. And, not so like Tatum and, being the best player and Butler being the best player on Miami. That's a better way to put it. And here's the deal. It was clearly the worst time to have a pathetic game considering it's game seven. Beyond that, it is compounded with Tatum being an absolute shell of himself. This is when they needed Jalen Brown to be great. They didn't need average Jalen Brown. They needed great Jalen Brown tonight because they didn't have a guy. You know, for, for, for the most part, it looked like Derek White. So I, I mean, there were so many possessions where I was like, all right, so Derek White's the guy now? Because in their half court, you know, there's just there's so much bailout that comes along with Tatum in him being able to get you shots or get somebody else shots. He was unable to do either of those tonight. And you could see, I mean, he played through it and but he was wincing the entire game. Yeah, he was he wincing was. the entire game. Definitely and he hurt. clearly was not able to be an impactful player. And then on the other side, you know, they just, they start hunting him. By the time it got to the fourth, they're hunting him because they know this guy can't move right. And so with Tatum banged up, they needed a great Jalen Brown. And the other thing is this, Kev. We talked all series, and I know you tweeted this out after game six. You know, they get this unbelievable carom and the Derek White, you know, miraculous finish. and. But underlying with that was that they were not they were not hitting threes at the rate 
that has been indicative of Celtics victories throughout this year. No, We've talked a million times about how they shoot 40%, they win. If they don't shoot 40%, they're a less than 500 team over the course of the season. They're very dependent on that shot. They got away with not shooting a high clip. In fact, shooting a miserable clip in game six. But Their I think worst it would be fair clip to say, of the we, entire season, Chris. Right. But, but we have a very big sample size that says they're not winning games like that, right? They're not winning games when they're shooting that poorly. And they come out tonight and they're 0 of 10 from three in the first quarter, in that lowest scoring quarter. They start off two for 15. They end the game nine for 42. Whew. And I know that the old school guys and the TNT guys are like, look, this can't just be, hey, if we make a bunch of threes, we win. If we don't make a bunch of threes, we lose. Like, take the ball to the basket. This is a team that you are playing against that has very little rim protection, you know? And so you are bailing them out. I mean, I think you're going to see a different deal with Jokic in that next round. Um, clearly, you're going to see a much different deal with Jokic in that next round. But I felt like there's just, if you're not going to punish them for being small and you're going to take threes no matter whether you're making them or not, you're at mercy of games like this. And when you're 9 of 42, not only do you get beat, you get destroyed. And it's hard. Yeah, It's hard to make threes at a very high clip as the series go on. You're playing every other day. Legs are tired. And making threes at a very high clip, especially when you're taking a lot of half-court threes, probably isn't in the cards. And it just didn't seem to matter. That's how they play. And so they went down with that ship. It really was live by the three, die by the three. They got away with it in game six, but they sure didn't tonight. Well, I mean, within this series, you know, game three, they shot 26.2%. They obviously lose that one considering they started down 0-3. That was their, at the time, their sixth worst three-point shooting percentage of the entire series. Game six, they shoot 20%, their worst percentage of the entire season. Tonight, they shoot 21.4%, which tied for second worst percentage of the entire season. So, like, within this one series, they had three games shooting their worst percentages of the entire series. And I think that's in part by Miami's closeouts. You know, we see Duncan Robinson block a Jalen Brown three tonight. They're closing out really hard, trying to get them off the line, really closing out on the on the shooting hand side of those closeouts. But also, I think it's tired legs, too. My Boston, Boston seemed fatigued as well, right? I'll give you another one. I remember when one of their games that they won, you said their defense really showed up. And that is absolutely true. Their defense started to show up in the middle of this series. And I do think that they, and this is very indicative of many teams in the NBA right now. Sometimes their offense can be so predicated on what they are doing on the defensive end. If they are taking the ball out of the basket and they are having to play a lot of half-court basketball or there are a lot of stoppages because of free throws, 
Now, all of a sudden, they don't get out in space and they don't even get the same quality in rhythm threes. It's almost like when the Celtics play great defense, then they get those great threes. They get the breaks. They flank out. Now they're open. Bang. And when they're in the half court, they don't get those. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Brown took a damn step back that got blocked by Duncan Robinson. Yeah. What, 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 it's game seven. Like, what is this shot? They're taking step back threes. It wasn't even like against the shot clock. And like I told you, took this bogus one after Caleb Martin had thrown it back up to 10. I mean, the crowd's on fire. Crowd's on fire. Um, 8 0 run, Derek White, three point play. Everybody's up. They're showing that, you know, those shirtless mass holes in the front row. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, they're picking them up on the live mic, cussing out the, <laughs> you know, Miami Heat. And it's like, oh boy, here they come. Caleb Martin goes down, calmly makes a jumper. Jalen Brown comes down, jacks some three that bricks halfway to the three point line. And it's like, what? I, I, I just think that so many times they're, I'd love to see what their threes off stops are. Because I just feel like they are very much like a lot of the NBA basketball you watch. That when they when they're getting stops, then their offense can really get going. They're transition threes. They're flanking out instead of going to the basket and making the layups. Like they they play like a lot of teams do right now. And they didn't have the defensive wherewithal tonight at all. They didn't have the defensive wherewithal from the very beginning. And so they're taking the ball out of the basket and they still are going to, they're going to do their drive and kick crap and just miss a million or they're going to take some step back garbage. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now that it's the finals and we have the Nuggets in the heat, as of Monday night, the Nuggets are favored by 8.5 points over the heat in Game 1. I take the heat with the points, even though I would take the Nuggets to win the game at home in Denver. Got to take Denver there, but 8.5 is a lot for the NBA Finals, so I'll take the heat with the points. And with FanDuel, whether you want to bet on the money line or the spread or player props, FanDuel has so many different ways you can bet on the Finals. There's great promotions every day, and there's a safe and secure, easy app to use that pays you out instantly when you win. So there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash mismatch and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash mismatch. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. In New York, text HOPE NEW YORK. 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino, LLC. 
in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. That effort was pitiful tonight. Get your ass kicked like that in a Game 7 on your home floor. It's rough stuff. Especially when you got all the momentum in the world going into it. You got all the momentum. You got the raucous crowd. You got everything. And they were just taken out of it from the jump. Kind of weird, honestly. That's why I said when we started this pod, it's not that they got beat necessarily. It's the manner in which they got beat. Not even... That thing didn't go down to the wire. That thing was twenty point game with five minutes left. Yeah, man. I like. I think with this, with this Celtics team, man, like it does take heart to come back from down three zero. No doubt about it. Um, but I think the the one the one big issue I took with them being compared to the 0-4 Red Sox, which is really the team of my childhood, like you know, that's the team that you know eighty six years. I heard all my upbringing as a kid, you know, Red Sox are cursed, Bill Buckner, this and that. And then they're, they're down 3-0 to the favorite Yankees, biggest payroll in all of baseball. They stole A-Rod from the Red Sox. You know, they're up 3-0. They have home field advantage. It was a miracle that the Red Sox came back in that series, won four in a row, then beat the Cardinals four games in a row. That was a miracle. The, I took issue with the Celtics being compared to that team because the Yankees were the big favorites in that series. The Celtics were never supposed to be down 3-0 to a freaking eight seed with a bunch of undrafted guys. They're just completely different roster complexions between those Red Sox and those Celtics. The only similarity was a 3-0 comeback. But the character of those teams was so dramatically different, those two Boston teams. And I think really Miami is the team that's like more like that underdog who's like, we got nothing to lose. Here we are. We're an eight seed. And now here they are in the finals against Denver. I don't love their chances <laughs> after going seven no. games. In but, a tough but we series. haven't loved their chances. Look, no. we haven't loved their chances against Milwaukee. We haven't loved their chances against Boston. Nope. Nope. Of course not. And yet, and yet mm. here they are, right? Like you're, you feel that way again. Like, how are they going to beat Jokic? How are they going to get through this series? But they continue to get through it. They continue to silence the doubters. They keep having performances by a, a Caleb Martin or a Gabe Vincent or like Highsmith having some moments. I mean, it doesn't matter who. Old man Kyle Lowry hitting big shots. They have all these guys across their roster who come up big in particular moments. They're an amazing story. The fact that they're in this position to potentially win the NBA Finals. It's incredible that they're here. And they took down the big payroll Heavily favored, heavily experienced Boston Celtics team, a rival of theirs. Now they have the upper hand on them. Well, look, Kev, I think conventional wisdom, and I think a lot of people felt this way. They're going to get their ass kicked tonight. Even tonight. After all we've seen, 
After all we've seen, the heart, the tenacity, the undrafted guys, you know, this whole this whole thing, heat culture, the whole thing. Still, it's like, man, you don't come back from that. Like, that's not how, that's not how it goes down. We know that. We, 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 we grew up watching those commercials and you'd get to the commercial break and they'd say, get the Boston Celtics championship DVD. And that's, and the freaking Derek White plays play it over <laughs> and know. over again. And it's like, yeah. right? Like it, you've seen the, know. you know, and here's a steal by bird underneath the DJ. Like, I mean, yeah. you've seen <laughs> it's a great all impression. these plays a thousand times. And it's like, mm-hmm. you don't come back from that. That's the, that's the moment where you, lo- you lose amazing. because of that. That was such amazing. an amazing moment on Saturday. I mean, like Jimmy Butler was the coolest guy at the free throw line hitting three in a row. He was uh, the calmest guy in the arena. And then that happens. It was the biggest shock that I've seen in a long time. And now it's you got to go to game seven. You got to yep. go to their arena. <laughs> You're down. You've just lost three games oh, in a row. Man. How do you overcome that? What a gut punch. And not only do they come out and win, they kick the hell out of them. And I got a sense that, you know, like I say, we've all been watching sports for a long time. And there's that feeling, because this has happened a lot of times in the past, where it's like, maybe the thing that you remember the most isn't necessarily what decided the series, but it it becomes, you know, look, if the Celtics go on to win, no matter what happened tonight outside of maybe a game winner, you're remembering the Derek White thing forever. And then it almost becomes urban legend that that won the series, right? It's kind of like the the miracle on ice, right? Like that didn't win the gold medal, but it's all anybody thinks about. <laughs> you know, they think if you ask people Al Michaels call, like, so, and, and that's happened a million times in sports history where maybe the game that actually is remembered forever is not the one that necessarily decided it, but it was the one that changed everything within the series. And so you push that forward and you've got that Derek White deal and then Spolstra walks to the podium afterwards. And he said, I want to play in an hour. I want to play in an hour. And I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. there was a part of me as I'm watching him and I'm going, you know, if there ever was a team that is not dejected, oh my God, I can't believe this. Woe is me. Oh, we had it. All we had to get was one stop, whatever. It's this one. Because, you know, you know, he's saying what he's just said in the locker room and their reaction to the Derek White play was not somber. It was not upset. It was pissed. We had this. We're going to make this right. I wish we could play game seven in an hour. Because that's some bullshit. You know what I mean? They got this whack-ass Marcus Smart fall-away three that 
the only place this friggin' rebound can come off is to a streaking <laughs> Derek White who puts it in against the clock, which the only reason he even has that amount of time on the clock is because it could put more time on the clock from the play before on the Jimmy three. And when you see them and that's like the attitude, you did, I did get a sense then that like they're not, they're not feeling sorry for themselves over that one. That was not devastating to them. They're mad about that. And now they're going to be looking to prove themselves. And they came out and they held the damn team to 15 points. And I know you could say it's because Tatum rolled his ankle on the first play of the game, but I'll throw that to you. How much is Tatum's ankle a worthy excuse and or reason for what took place tonight? I don't think it's a worthy excuse at all. The great players deal with pain like that. They're not wincing the entire time they run up the floor. Jimmy Butler turned his ankle at one point during the game. He got hurt as well throughout the playoffs, and he continues to adapt. He strips the pump fake. He's figuring out other ways to score and adapt over the course of the series. Jason Tatum tonight, you know, yes, he turns his ankles. Yes, it was probably, you know, in some way ailing him. But, you know, when Jalen Brown is hucking up shots, turning the ball over, you know, reckless with the ball, no idea how to dribble, Jason Tatum, he's got to find a way to figure out how to lead this team. And, and I don't think he did come through the way he needed to. Say it, Kevin. Say it. LeBron James was played for two months with one foot. <laughs> <laughs> You can't play t- four quarters with a turned ankle. <laughs> well, this is this is the mismatch. It's not you know, get up. <laughs> you gotta just play two months on a one foot. You turned your ankle. Oh man, he was hobbling. He was hobbling. He was, he but was I mean, you, every, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are dealing with stuff and they figure it out. And unfortunately he just couldn't in this game. I think your point that Jay, Jason Tatum's turned ankle is not responsible for Jalen Brown's 50 bad shots and eight turnovers is yeah. a worthy one. <laughs> Jay, I mean, look, Jalen, I mean, look, the, I, I look forward to seeing what the conversation about Jalen Brown is going to be in the coming weeks, weeks leading up to free agency, because, you know, here's a guy who's going to be potentially getting paid five years, $295 million. He did not look like a $50 million player in a must win game seven in which his co-star did need some assistance with shot creation. The, the Jalen Brown led offense did not produce in the way in which that they needed it to. He was sloppy with the ball, took bad shots, he did not look like a guy that's going to be worth that money. And so now for the Celtics, you think about their situation. What do you do? Can you pay well, him that money? Can you? Conventional wisdom is, well, you got to pay him. Yes. You can't lose yes. him for nothing, but you could try to flip that's, him. That's the answer. Yes. You, you keep the asset. And then you can do but what you, you want. But you got to try to flip him. But, but you got to try to flip fine. him. Portland. Portland. For something involving three, but you for but, Washington, Washington with Beal, like you got to look for deals out there. You have to. Let me ask you this though: 
I'm gonna play devil's advocate on this. All right. Okay. They're in the finals or the Easter Conference finals, damn near every year. I I agree. That's so bad. I mean, you're a game no, away you, no, no. from another finals the, tonight, and they're both and they're both win not the finals, at the Chris. prime age yet. But they're not Boston at the prime age yet. The, Boston sports teams don't raise banners for making it to a game seven in these finals or making it to the NBA finals. It's about winning the whole thing. And with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, maybe you can win with those two, but you need a playmaking presence on your team. As much as I love Derek White, that guy is awesome. Even putting aside the miraculous putback in Game 6, that guy is awesome. He's been great for them all year long. He figured out how to shoot as a consistent guy from behind the arc. Brogdon's solid. Marcus Smart isn't quite the same defensively, but he still does Marcus Smart things out there. We'll see how effective he is after the NBA changes the flopping rules. But they need a guy in that backcourt who can steer the offense if they're going to keep what's Tatum crazy? and Brown. And even if they don't okay, keep I, Brown, I, like they, they, they need somebody like that. And I feel like we've said this several years now. It is bizarre that they have never had it. They've never had to set the table. They go from Kyrie to Scary Terry to... They tried Dennis Schroeder. They end up. How about Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas? They end up, before this, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, Thomas. It's always shoot first, more so point guards or scoring point guards than the set the table. All right, calm it down. Now we're going to run the offense. I'm going to get these guys in their best positions to score, you know, type of guys. It's always been that type of guard. With them, even their backups are generally that type of guard. Like they never have the just, all right, calm it down. Now let's get into the offense and run a play. And I know that those guys are few and far between. I know there's not many of those, like the Mike Conley types, the Tyus Jones types, the, you know, there are, there, there are guys that do it, but just somebody that, you know, Hey, we're going to get this thing into the, or we're going to get this into the offense. And it's always been another guy that shoots another shooting guard passing as a point guard in many cases, never a high assist guy. And if you keep them together, that would be another route. It'd be something else to try. I just and I know you say, hey, they don't they don't hang banners for getting to game sevens, but you're one of the final two or four teams damn near every year. It is a risk to change that. I understand. You want to improve from that and it's not good enough, but you're you're in the mix for a title every year with that group. I Chris, you are. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I just think there's ways to get better from it. And they're entering a point now where if you're paying Tatum and Brown a combined a hundred plus million dollars every year on your payroll with the new collective bargaining restrictions, which Ryan Russillo and Bill Simmons did an awesome job covering on their weekend pod. You know, we've talked about it totally fair throughout, point. You know, ever since we heard about that. Like considering the way the league is changing, considering the new contracts coming up for those guys, they are in a position now they have to adapt and evolve this roster in order to sustain this contention moving forward. To your point, 
They've always had Jalen Brown on a very reasonable contract that, frankly, he outperforms. And that's where it changes, right? Yep, you're now, right. That, that's a great way to put it. Now, yep. now he, he, he's probably not outperforming that contract. He has to be amazing to live up to that contract. And so, to your point, they, they, that's, the, that's the best case against, which is, okay, well, that was a different world when you kept these two together. Jalen's always had a very reasonable contract, and in fact, a contract that was of value. Once this all-NBA contract kicks in, his contract is no longer a value. It's not. He's getting paid like he is all NBA performer because he made that team. And so you don't have as much to spend on the rest of it. And it doesn't seem to me like the Celtics owners, though they have gone in the tax for this team, that they're, they're, they're not going to want to be tax team, repeater tax team, you know, this kind of stuff. And so think you try to, how much can you build out around Tatum with that money? But you have to keep the asset first and then and then get something for it in order to build around Tatum. Because yeah. Yeah. assuming that's what you're doing, like you are paying him an absolute fortune of which he totally deserves and probably one of the best five to 10 players in the NBA. But the trick is, I mean, look, it's a bad time to talk about him. Guy just played like absolute crap and threw the ball. It's a great time to talk about him. It's a great time, actually, because these are the games you need to produce. Yeah, maybe so. it's, the, it's, the, it's the perfect time to talk about him, I think. I mean, I know he just played a bad game, and maybe you play this game out 50 more times, he has 35 good games. But the one that we saw was a, was a total stinker. And it speaks to a lot of the issues he's had over the years as a guy who, you know, handles the ball and generates offense for himself. It was a terrible performance, and it speaks to the the complex issue that Boston is going to face this offseason, considering what's going to happen with the CBA uh, and all the salary cap restrictions to come in a year from now. Boston's going to have to tweak things. Um, you know, I think Missoula probably saved his job getting to a Game 7 here. Maybe not, though. We'll see what Wick Rosbeck and Celtics ownership decides. But ultimately, this roster is is going to have to to see some tweaks. Uh, it's just a matter of what they end up doing and to what extremes. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, on the, on the, on the Jalen front, it was all different this year anyway. Yeah. After the Durant stuff, everything's yep. been different with him. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning and inability to smile an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app. One password, Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. 
Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. We got to get back to the heat. So they now are going to move and they're going to play against the Nuggets. So I went and looked. So while the heat just pulled off the incredible by getting to the NBA finals as an eight seed, they now run into a team that has been an absolute juggernaut. Uh, the Nuggets, just to refresh everybody, because it's been a long time since we talked about the Denver Nuggets, because <laughs> they won so long ago. Um, they lost one game to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that was in overtime. They lost two to the Phoenix Suns, one of which was by seven points, in which Kevin Durant had 39 and Devin Booker had 47. They lost another one by five points. In that game, Jokic had 53 points and they lost. Durant and Booker both had 36. And then they did not lose to the Lakers at all. So they have lost a grand total of three playoff games, one of which was to Minnesota in overtime. And the other two were truly all-time great performances in tandem by two of the greatest offensive players that we have seen in Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Those are the three games that they have dropped thus far in the playoffs. <laughs> and so that's who the Heat are facing. I went to go look up if they, you know, what they what happened during the regular season. And you'll never believe this, Kevin. Denver won them all, Not right? Not really relevant. Denver did win them all, though, right? Uh, well, they, they played twice. Yeah, they played twice. Won both. Yeah, they played I believe twice. I believe they've won their last six against Miami. Both really good games. Uh, they played on December 30th, and the Nuggets won 114 to 119. Haywood Highsmith uh, started for the Miami Heat in that game. I don't think he's going to start in the finals. Um, another one was uh, February 13th. 112 to 108. So those two games, one was decided by five points, the other was decided by four points. Um, they started Vladko Chanchar in that game in February. <laughs> Vladko Chanchar, also uh, Brown started. Murray didn't even play in that game. And off the bench for Miami in that game, Orlando Robinson and Jamari Bouye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's if there was anything more indicative of the regular season games that you and I were charged <laughs> with talking about, it is, hey, that Heat-Denver game? Yeah, did you see Jamari Bouye yeah. in that game? Like, I swear to God, they grow these guys. But <laughs> going back and looking at some of those box scores, Vlatko Chanchar versus uh, Orlando Robinson probably not the best indication of me breaking down 
what could happen in an NBA finals. I don't know how much I can draw from the regular season games that they played, except that they were highly competitive games. And so I think that is, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they can be competitive. But as we know, it's been very difficult to be competitive with the Denver Nuggets thus far. I just, I'm so scared to count Miami out of doing anything. I mean, they were huge underdogs to the Milwaukee Bucks. They were, I mean, Boston was minus 550 to beat them. You had to bet $550 to win 100 if you wanted to bet on Boston. Didn't, and, and also, so, didn't, didn't, who didn't, am I to didn't, say they don't? Didn't, I know that it feels like they don't but have did, a chance, didn't, but... <laughs> didn't also, when my when Boston was down 3-0, there were certain like algorithms that still had the Celtics winning the series, which was silly, but also, I mean, <laughs> yes. it speaks to the numbers that we're talking about here. Right. I know. And it's, but, but uh, I guess I, all I'd say is, I, I know it feels like Miami doesn't wouldn't have a chance against Denver, but I'm not counting them out of doing anything no. anymore. I just can't. Can't count them out of doing anything. I, I, I you know, they got Jimmy Butler, they got Spolstra. I'm I'm looking, I just pulled it up. Denver is minus three eighty to win the series. So you gotta bet three hundred and eighty dollars to win a hundred on Denver. Game one, which is on Thursday night, Denver is installed as eight and a half point favorites. In oh, game wow. one. So that's eight a lot and a half for game one. Eight and a half. Wow. It is a huge NBA line. Yep. It really is. Now I know they've been sitting around while the other team just played a game seven. So fair is fair. But here we go again, right? This is exactly what the Heat have been doing. Uh, you know, they're huge underdogs to my- Milwaukee, too. They're huge underdogs to Boston, too. Like, I I do think they ran into teams that have not punished them for their lack of size. Now they run into a team that will immensely punish them for their lack of size. Denver's not just going to go out there and shoot a million no. threes. They're going to play... They're, They're going to play go every the which way. They're going to get in the mid-range. Yep. They're going to, yeah. That's what Denver does. They 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 and play every, every single style. That's what Jokic empowers you to do. He He's used all over the floor. He's used as a pick-and-roll ball handler, as right. a screener, as a guy coming off screens, going towards the basket, posting up, isolating and backing down guys from behind the arc. I mean, he does absolutely everything. I just think Jokic with this supporting cast around him on Denver is a problem that's going to be really, really difficult for Miami to solve. Uh, you can't count out the heat, considering everything that you're saying, Chris. Um, but at the same time, this heat, this this uh, Nuggets roster, Michael Malone and that coaching staff has had a long time to prepare for either of these opponents. And they probably have more time preparing for Miami, considering Miami was up 3-0. Uh, I'm sure they know all the inside outs of, of this uh, Miami team. And how much pressure is on Bam oh, I know. to be just an amazing defender. He's And he's not big enough. Well, what if he gets in foul trouble? He's just not. Like I know. They're going to have to dust off Alonzo Mourning. <laughs> you see him? You see him up in the stands know, tonight? Yeah. 
My God, he looks like he could. You see what kind of shape he's in? Uh, Good grief. You see him in that suit? I was like, <laughs> damn, a lot of morning. Looks like he could go out there and give you 20 and 10. <laughs> Standing there next to Pat Riley with his arms folded. I'm like, yo, a lot of morning is yoked. <laughs> badass. It's crazy. Both of them, really. They're both badass. He really is. <laughs> They're gonna have to put. They're gonna have to put him out there to. Uh, yeah, they're gonna have to put him out there to gi- give you a couple minutes on Jokic. That stat about Riley. Do you see that uh, David Aldridge put out last week about how if if the Heat make it? So now that is relevant because the Heat did make it. That if the Heat were to make the finals, that Pat Riley would then, as a player, coach or executive, be a part of his 19th NBA Finals. Almost 25% of all NBA Finals. Yeah, that's right. I remember that one. That's crazy. That's wild. Outrageous. Unbelievable. 19? Yeah. Unreal. 19? And they said, I didn't realize this, they said during the broadcast, the Heat culture, which was established by Pat Riley 28 years ago when he took over as a coach, I was like, damn, man. He took over the Heat 28 years ago. Mm-hmm. How old am I? <laughs> God. 28 years. That's like when they would talk about like Dean Smith being in North Carolina and shit. He'd be like, what? <laughs> Pat Riley's been in Miami. <laughs> you know what I mean? They'd be like, Jim Beheim been in <laughs> Syracuse. For, and it always feels like, oh, God, that guy's been there since, you know, before I was even born. You hear about these things. And it's like, I, I remember Pat Riley. Like, I mean, going to the heat. It's kind of crazy. And the fact that he established this 28 years ago, I was like, my God, 19 finals is that's ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And this team is nowhere near a finals built team. Like they are a hundred percent there because of heat culture that can never be mocked Mm. again. It really can't. Because this is the friggin' Mona Lisa of heat culture. <laughs> this is not heat talent. <laughs> no, it's not. It's Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, and like crazy. Haywood Highsmith out yeah. there. Yep. And just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible remarkable. job by them it, it, to, to win this. And Obviously disgusting for the Celtics to lose by 20 on your freaking home court in a game seven. That yeah. sucks. I mean, but for this Miami team, though, it is it is special what they've done with all these undrafted guys and all these guys who have fought through adversity and played in the G League or Juco like Jimmy Butler and fought all this way to be in this position. It is to be to be down in a play in game in a second play in game after losing the first one. It's it's amazing. It's amazing that they're in this position with a chance to win it. Like, I'm picking Denver. You're picking Denver. I think everybody's probably going to pick Denver, except for the Heat themselves and a lot of Heat fans. Um, 
You never know, man. You just can't you can't count them out, even though the Nuggets should be and are the heavy favorites in this series. Miami's got something special about them. And at the least, Chris, at the least, that this is a team that has something to build with moving forward. Um they're special, man. They're special, and they get a lot of picks they can deal moving forward. I'll tell you this. I promise you this. They won't go out like No, they punks. won't. They'll They're fight. Put up a they'll fight. fight every game, right? <laughs> and, and, they'll, and they'll strategize like they got a great X's and O's guy. And like I said, uh, in all these series, I said, look, man, Jimmy and Spo are worth at least one or two wins in all of them. Yeah. These are. There's a night where he's just going to dominate a game. Jimmy's just going to impose his will and be the best player on the floor mm-hmm. in any game. And there's a, and they'll make adjustments against the Nuggets and probably, you know, they've got the ability to make teams look bad. They made Milwaukee look terrible. And they made Boston look terrible. Yeah. And that's not easy. Holding that Boston team to 15 points in any quarter is freaky, you know? So that team can obviously make you look bad. The biggest challenge ever is to make that Denver team look bad. That's not going to be easy, but they'll do it at least once where you'll be going, man, Denver can't even score on them, (laughs) you know? I don't know. I don't even know. I I don't even know what to say about them anymore. It's an incredible it story. It's a, I, I I never thought we'd see an eight seed. The second eight seed uh, since, what, the 99 Knicks, right? And that yeah. was shortened. I mean, that was a shortened season. So that was a weird deal. It was a weird deal. That's when they played the Spurs, right? Yep. Because that was a, yeah. Like, Robinson was still on that Spurs team. That was Duncan Robinson together. Yeah, Duncan, Duncan Robinson. Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> he got yeah, buckets he again. He friggin' blocked a Jalen Brown three. And, 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 and uh, Chris, all right, Chris, that's, Chris, that's all. And he stripped them. He stripped them and blocked them. When Jalen Brown goes and asks for his three hundred million dollars, they should they should <laughs> put that on a screen. Your ass got blocked by Duncan Robinson. Man, get mm-hmm. him out of here. <laughs> what are you What are you talking about? Step back, one legged, three. <laughs> It's that Patrick Ewing. You see a you know that Patrick Ewing Georgetown oh, yeah, yeah. thing. Step back, one legged. Do you do you shoot that shot? Do you practice that shot? That's how I felt with most of the Jalen Brown shots. Do you practice that shot? Do you shoot that shot? <laughs> he did. To poor result. I can't wait uh, to see this. I. I Imagine the odds you could have gotten under friggin' Denver and <laughs> Miami know, at the I beginning know, huh? of this thing. Jesus. Oh, my God. A billion to one? <laughs> I know. I wonder what the odds were. I'm sure somebody placed a bet out there, right? Somebody. There was just no way it wasn't going to be Milwaukee, Boston, or Philly. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are. And you eight, like the Nick Nurse hire? I do like the Nick Nurse hire. You like the Nick yeah, Nurse hire? I do. Um I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens in terms of uh, how he builds out the system. We'll see what Daryl Morey does this offseason. To me, that's the bigger question. Like, how does Morey build this roster out? What happens with James Harden? That's going to dictate 
what Nick Nurse does. But like I think we talked about last week, Chris, you know, I said it to you, the new coach needs to be more innovative with Joel Embiid. He needs to build a system that steals from a little bit of what Denver does with Jokic, from what Milwaukee does with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He needs to build a system that unlocks an even higher level of Joel Embiid to bring some more variety to his offensive workload. I think there's even more to his game than what he's been able to show. And Nick Nurse has you know, done a great job building top defenses with those Toronto teams. His offenses in the half court have not been great, but he also has not have had a weapon anywhere as close to Ka- as good as Joel Embiid since he had Kawhi Leonard years ago. So I, I look forward to seeing what Nurse does to see if he can kind of rekindle that, that, oh, what a creative genius he is, you know, reputation that he had in the earlier years with Toronto that kind of faded over time. Uh, we'll see if he can get that back with Maury, depending on what Maury does this offseason to the roster. And one of the other uh, teams that we mentioned that we thought were for sure going to be possible finals reps, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, since we last spoke, did hire Adrian Griffin. Um, this is very reminiscent to me of the Udoka hire in the sense of a team with already high expectations, like a ready-made team that's ready to win, that you can make that you have your chance to put a stamp on and do it differently. Very highly regarded assistant coach that's been thought of uh, very highly and is interviewed for other jobs in the past and is a name you hear a lot. Uh, former role player like Udoka. Like, it's very reminiscent of that, right? Where it's like, this is not an easy first job to have because it's ready-made. Because your expectations are very, very high. You don't have, ask Joe Missoula, you ain't got a lot of time to learn, man. Yeah. People ain't trying to wait on you to learn. They're not waiting on you to learn. So you go into the playoffs and you screw some stuff up, you know, there's not, it's it's not like, hey, he's a young coach leash. It's, hey, we're in a window here and we don't want Giannis to ever even entertain wanting to play elsewhere. And we need this guy to be a great coach that can win a title now. And, I mean, again, we can't know what kind of coach he's going to be. We'll just have to wait and see. But much like Udoka, very highly regarded guy who has paid his dues and assisted coach and now gets that lead chair. Tough gig to walk into, though. When you're replacing Budenholzer, it is. Tough gig to walk into. Uh, All reports are that that's the guy Giannis wanted. He wanted Griffin there. Mm. Um, it's impossible to know how he'll do as a coach. I find it I find it interesting that Toronto was in no rush to hire him to replace Nick Nurse, like the Raptors were years ago to have Nick Nurse replace Dwayne Casey, you know, from moving him to assistant to the head coach. Does that say something? Perhaps. But they just might want to clean might, slate. That's what I'm uh, saying. Like it, it might say yeah. something. It might not. Um, but considering their history, hiring nurse, you know, to replace Casey, I just find it interesting, at least. Um, but it sounds like with Toronto, everybody, all the all reports are, you know, everything I've heard, which isn't, you know, as uh, in tune with what others have reported, with like very strong sourcing in Toronto. But it sounds like that team doesn't really know what they want to do. 
I think that's a genuine thing that we've seen reported. Like from what conversations I've had, there's people within that front office who want to go full rebuild. There's people who want to maintain status quo and continue trying to build up from here. There's different differing philosophies on what. Oh, so you don't know what kind of job you're taking. uh, Yes, that's my impression from the Raptors, and that's what other many others have reported at this point. But um, yeah, that that's interesting. That's very interesting with Toronto because they also have a top pick. They have a top ten pick. So um, who knows what they'll end up doing with that? So we said we can't believe the Heat are there because we were sure that it was going to be one of those three at the top. It was either going to be Philly, it was either going to be Milwaukee or Boston. We know Milwaukee has got a new coach. We just talked about it. We know Philadelphia has got a new coach. We just talked about it. You think Missoula is going to be back? I don't know. Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. I would bet yes, considering they got to a game seven, but I mean, it was it was just a week ago, Chris, that you got Wick Gross back. You know, they got beat by twenty. Yes, in it. that's like they beat. And they got beat by twenty in it. Yes, and just a week ago, the owners like you know courtside saying to take out the star players. So it's going to depend right. on Wick Gross back. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't if they be changed it. at all. One bit. If they just said, "Hey, we were in a pickle last year," or we're, "We'll we'll we'll bite the bullet and pay yeah. off your contract." And we got to get. I want to be surprised. No. Proven, big time coach. There's still proven coaches that are out there and available. You know that have been on sidelines for years, and you're in win now mode for sure. They just spent a fortune on that team to get beat by twenty in their in a game seven. And 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 look, it's all relative. They lost to an eight seed. I get it. The Heat are amazing. It's a great story, but like Milwaukee lost to an eight seed and the guy got friggin' fired because of it. You know? Boston's not expected to lose to an eight seed. They were minus 550 favorites. It's all relative. Going into it, they had absolutely no business even being in a position where they could lose a game seven. You know? Vegas didn't think they would be. Nobody thought they would be. And so, one of the major differences in those two teams was coaching. And if you think next year Joe Missoula is going to be able to match which with Eric Spolstra, then more power to you. And I'm not saying a lot of people can. You know, Mike Malone may struggle matching which with Eric Spolstra in the next round. It's possible. He's Spolstra's great. But I don't think anybody walks away going, Joe Missoula is the guy that could lead us to a championship. I don't think people have that feeling. I mean, e- even tonight, one of my friends who's a Celtics fan is like, Missoula seems better, but he just called a timeout to stop a fast break. You know, it's like Celtics fans are still frustrated with some of the decisions that he's making out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, I think for the argument against firing Missoula, you know, I've been on him all postseason. But the playing devil's advocate with myself and with you right now, Chris, the argument against is this is the third coach, Brad Stevens, Ime Odoka, and now Joe Mazzola, that has had a Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum-led team that has failed for some of the same overlapping reasons that they have for years. And I think that's where you can say, hey, maybe you invest in him 
moving forward, if you do really believe in him as a guy who can be your head coach and you change the roster, I think both need to change. Um, but I think that's the argument in favor of keeping him as you change the roster but not the coach. Or maybe we just blow it all up. <laughs> you sound like me. It's like four years ago. <laughs> More like seven years ago. The new, the new, it's it's like we talked about with the new CBA for uh, team building, right? The new lottery rules changed everything when it comes to blowing it up. Um, so I don't, I don't think we even totally understand how this new CBA is going to influence uh, te- team decisions. All right, before we get out of here, I got it. I did not. I have not talked to you off the air. I forgot to. I forgot to text you this weekend. But I got to tell you something you're going to love before we get out of here. So this Memorial Day weekend, you've heard of the Peach Jam, right? The Nike Peach Jam. It's EYBL. EYBL, Memphis hosted the last weekend, big weekend, before the Peach Jam this past weekend. So yesterday, me and my son went over there. I said, all right, let's go over to the tournament so we could see everybody. We walk in, and we just stayed there the entire day and watched games. So walk in, and I immediately see this kid. He's like 7'3". These are high school teams. I said, that has got to be a bowl. It has to be. <laughs> I go. I look it up. I swear to God, Kevin, you can look him up. John John (laughs) Ball. He is evidently, evidently no relation to the other. Really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) I'm telling you, hey, he's from like Missouri. And it was hilarious. I saw then walk another way, saw another 7-2 kid. I'm like, what is this? He was a, another kid whose name was Maker. <laughs> then another kid whose name was McCour. I swear to God, they got these seven footers all over this gym. I'm like, this is crazy. And so I saw all kinds of like these great prospects. I saw, uh, I went and watched Carmelo's kid. I went and watched LeBron's kid, Bryce. I went and watched everybody. But the the headliner, I went and watched. Cooper oh, you flag. saw him almost get that quadruple and double, oh, right? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Kevin. So the night before, he had like 45, 17, whatever. He, they played Team Durant in the game that I went to. They picked him up full court, every possession, and every time he touched the ball, they ran two players at him. Every time. And he made the right play 99% of the time. (laughs) Every time. He's special. They have created this team out of Maine, whatever. But, like, I I was like, man, there's been a lot of hype. They say he's the best 16-year-old and whatever. He is amazing. Amazing. Of the game I went to, he blocked 12 shots. (laughs) Both hands. (laughs) flying around everywhere. I'm like, this dude is freaking awesome. Cooper flag. So there is going to come a time where somebody's going to have to blow it up for him. Oh, yeah. Because Jesus, I've seen a lot of preps players in my life. Trust me, he is stamped. 
He is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can't believe he's 16. I know. I can't believe it. Anybody could look this kid up and watch the highlights. He he went between his legs. He 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 played he mean, plays like he's 22. Right? Like, and he looks like he's 22. Oh. Like doesn't isn't he that type of guy where he just Yes, he looks like he could be on an NBA yes. court. Uh-huh, yes. And he's 16. 100%. He really is that type of player. Like and also because he just makes such good decisions. He's a smart player as well. From what I understand is like God. I think I think it's like the 20 25 and the 26 high school classes are really really strong with a bunch of high level players from the, I mean it's early, but like I was texting with I, I was texting with someone over the weekend who's like, "Hey, remember these names?" Um so. No, no, his class, it's him and there's another kid named Cameron oh, Cam Boozer. Boozer is awesome. Who, who is Carlos's yep. kid? And he just became one of the only sophomores to ever win Gatorade National Player of the Year. I mean, he's already. And he was not in Memphis this past weekend. I, I, I wanted to go see him. And I was not able to see him. But I saw tons of the kids. And I saw tons of the programs. Um, and so uh, I've got it jotted down somewhere. But the, the one I wanted to mention to you was mm-hmm. Flag Because we jo- joked about blow it up. I pray to God you and I are still doing this show in a couple of years. We're going to be talking about, hey, you might just want to lose these games if you got a chance of getting flagged because, God, he is freakish. Freakish. I couldn't, I I was so ready to go to it, kind of like the, you know, some of these guys where it's like they get hyped up so much. You see him on House of Highlights every day and all this crap. And then I saw it in person, and I was like, "Oh my god, this guy! How? So that, that's, how is this guy sixteen? That, 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 that was the way I felt seeing Victor Wembanyama versus Scoot Henderson last year in Nevada. Yes, it was like, oh my god, it's real. Yes. I'm here in person. It's it's real. I, yes. I can't wait till. Was, and yes, I all, it's crazy to watch. I pray to God we're still doing this show. I want to be doing this show for you for our 20th anniversary, our 30th anniversary. This is oh, se- the amazing se- season seven of us doing this, Chris. <laughs> it's amazing. And we and I tell you this, finals. we still haven't learned anything because sure, we sure <laughs> as hell would not have had Nuggets Heat. <laughs> <laughs> Sports are so great, aren't they? I don't know man? Why you're listening to us? Are, aren't sports the best? I guess I you mean, listen to us, so you could. You could hear about John Bowl and Cooper <laughs> Flag. <laughs> Can you believe there's a guy named John Bowl? I walked into the gym and I'm like, I said, I said to my son, I said, that has got to be I, a I bowl. Think I, I, and I looked at <laughs> I looked at the program. I looked at the program and I said, No, it really is. It's a bowl. I, I think I think my new bull is spreading his seed somewhere in that area of the country. There's no way it's not his son. I, I looked up know. the photo. <laughs> it it looked right. If you walked into a gym and saw him, you would go, "That's a bull." It is, and it is a bull. Just not the bull. It is a it bull. Is a bull. Yes, <laughs> John Bull. John, I was like, no way. John Bull. No way. And, he had, and he's not. I saw him block four shots. Hey, <laughs> I, I saw him block four shots on one possession. <laughs> I was like, this is so unfair. This uh, is so unfair. These are high school kids. I hope he's. I know. He's just swatting in both hands. I know Bull Bull had a very exciting season a, this year. 
Um, but I would love to see yeah. John Bull become a star. <laughs> right? Like, wouldn't that yeah. be cool with that body type? Like, Manute Bull, I mean, Bull Bull had an awesome year. Like, it was great to watch him with Orlando, but I want to see all-star, all-NBA level Bull in the NBA. This this guy is not going to be all-NBA, bro. They played this team that, like, had this, like, Kevin Love-looking dude, and they stretched him <laughs> out. And okay. It was... Well. He's drop coverage All right. guy. That's, that's, you know that's what I mean? Fair. I'll 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 hang on to the dream with Bull Bull then. There'll be more bowls coming around. Yep, there will be. There'll be more bowls. Hey, they tell me that they tell me that uh Bull Bull likes the ladies too, so you never know. Maybe <laughs> we may have a whole team of bowls in twenty thirty. <laughs> 2030. It's 2023 right now. Oh, it is. Yeah, oh, okay. 2035. Yeah, something like that. How long know. has he been at it's, it? Time goes by fast. I can't believe it's 2023. I know. <laughs> well, we got the finals coming up on Thursday night. So we'll talk about game one after that one's over. I'll talk to you then. Thanks to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And Kevin, I'll talk to you Thursday night. Man, I can't, I can't wait, Chris. Our seventh NBA Finals. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening all these years. Let's go, baby. NBA Finals coming up. Yeah.